0: You're listening to the Grace Covenant Statesville Audio Podcast. We're in a three-week series. Uh, This is week two, and a three-week series where we're trying to uh, to address some of the big questions of life. Last week, we took the questions, why do bad things happen to good people? And why does God not always answer my prayers? We thought we'd start with the easy ones first. Um, (laughs) Seriously, I mean, it's like couldn't be any two bigger questions. Today we're going to look at the questions, what happens when I die, and what will heaven be like? Next week we'll finish up the series. Uh, We're looking at the question there will be, how do I hear from God, and how do I make wise, God-honoring decisions? Now, two things to keep in mind as we're walking through these, especially today. Um, What we can't do We can't do a deep dive in any one of these topics. If you figure a 30-minute sermon, I've just used a few minutes talking up front about stuff. I'll have a few minutes at the end. It's roughly 12 minutes per question. That's not a whole lot of time to do a deep dive and to really do a lot of depth. So we can't do that. What we can do and what we'll attempt to do is provide a biblical perspective for how do we think about these things. What does the Bible actually say about some of these uh, questions and topics? And that's especially relevant today because there's so much out there about what happens when we die and what heaven is like. Um, for me, this series, I, think I could kind of call it a, my, the theme verse, if you will, 1 Corinthians 13.12. Uh, says, Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part; then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Uh, so we're we're going to have questions, and we're not going to necessarily get them all answered. So with that verse as a disclaimer, let's jump in. What happens when I die? There is no shortage of ideas as to what happens when we die. Um, When we draw our last breath, movies in particular, um, again, I'm I'm showing my age here, but remember the movie Ghost? Patrick Swayze and uh, Demi Moore, um, you know, where he dies, he's murdered actually, and he stays around to get revenge on his killer and protect his wife. So you got that whole idea there. Um, If you're familiar with the movie The Sixth Sense, Okay, A little later that came out, a little boy sees dead people walking around. It has an interesting twist at the end of the movie. But uh, again, just Hollywood has this way of portraying death and what happens to us when we die. And then we've got these accounts of near-death experiences. We've got people who died, encountered the afterlife, and then returned to tell about it. So this isn't Hollywood. These are people who have actually retold their experiences. Um, many books on this topic. You don't see as many movies. Oh, there is a movie. Um, it's actually a boy um, called Heaven is Real. There was a book that came out, and then there was a movie that came out here a few years ago. Uh, so there's, there's a number of, I actually did a quick Google search... Um, um, movies about the afterlife or something like that, and there was f- over 40 of them that came up of movies that deal with this, and that didn't even account for the books and titles of the near-death experiences, and they had to return. And so here's the thing. There's just all this out there, and some of them are just trying to make a good story, especially the movies. You know, how do we make this creative? How do we sell tickets? Um, others are trying to convey an actual life event. So, who do we believe might one or more of these accounts actually be real? So, rather than trying to take all these different perspectives and dissect them one by one, what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say about what happens to us when we die? Now, the answer to that question actually hinges on how someone responds to Jesus Christ in his perversion for salvation. The Bible tells us there's two two options, if you will, that happens when we die. First option, um, and I'm sorry, not the first option. So what happens, um, one of them is when you're a believer. You have put your faith in Jesus Christ, and then the other one is if you don't, if you haven't done that. And so we'll, we'll look at both those here separately. First, what happens when a believer dies? few things that uh, I think are, are worth pointing out The Scripture is fairly clear on. The moment you take your last breath, your spirit and soul depart from your body and you are present with Jesus in heaven. Death is the separation of our body from our spirit and soul. It's not the end of our personhood. Okay, we still exist. When we die, our bodies become lifeless and are no longer the place where we reside. But we continue to exist as spirit and soul beings. So we still have that existence. Luke, uh, I think it's interesting when uh, Jesus is on the cross and the one criminal is crucified with him and they're talking. And in Luke 23, Jesus says to him, Truly I tell you, today... You will be with me in paradise today. So, you instantly, at, at death, instantly we come into the presence of Jesus. Okay? So, that's one thing. We know that. Secondly, you will be in the presence of Jesus and enjoy the wonder of heaven. <clears throat> now, if you're taking notes, if you have your in your um, um, service guide, You'll find... I had to think about that a second. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, if you pull it out, if you look at it, it says the wonder of heaven. See that? If you have those notes, circle that. Okay? And the reason's this. The traditional thought is that when we die, we go to heaven. There's a couple of different ways of looking at this. I mean, as we just discussed, the Bible clearly tells us that what happens when we die, when we take our last breath we go to be with Jesus. That we know. When we die, we take our last breath, we go to be with Jesus. The Bible also tells us with great certainty that there will be a resurrection of the dead when Christ returns. Okay? What is a little less clear is what happens in between those two times. So, heaven... I mean, if, if that is the place, and again, I'm not going to, I'm not, I realize for some of you, I'm, I'm going to upset your cart, and it really be, be a problem. Um, when, when um, if, if heaven is how we want to categorize or name this place, what we do know that it's temporary. Because the Bible tells us that in the return of Christ, there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. Okay? So whatever is there won't be there for all eternity. What was actually interesting, when the verse I even just read earlier about Jesus and the criminal, Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. He didn't say heaven. He says paradise. It's a different construct. It actually means something different. Um, it's not heaven. In the Jewish mindset, and, and we're talking about they are two different places, two different um, Destinations, if you will, um, both contain now whether it's heaven or whether it's paradise. Again, I'm, I'm not going to argue one versus the other. Both of them contain the idea of an intermediate state of existence. We're there in spirit form until Jesus returns and our physical body is resurrected. And at which point, then we then at that point in time, there's judgment and then heaven. <clears throat> both places are temporary. Until that happens, temporary being, well, it, we don't know, it, uh, until Jesus returns. It could be a day or thousands of years, uh, and has been a thousands of years for those who have gone before us. So, here's the one thing, though. Um, those of you who may have a Catholic background, you're, you may be familiar with the idea of purgatory. This isn't that okay we're not advocating purgatory as I understand it and I confess I haven't done a whole lot of research and studying that's not my background my understanding is that purgatory is for those who have who are on their way to heaven but haven't just quite finished paying their dues if you will and can't just go right directly there they've got to be in this in between place to to try and uh, it's a merit-based type of thing where they're trying to earn or trying to get to the point where they can actually get into heaven we're not discussing that at all. But this idea of an intermediate state, if you are writing down some notes, let me give you a couple other passages that refer to this, that convey this idea that when we die and but before Jesus returns, there's this intermediate place. Second Corinthians chapter five, verses six through nine. <clears throat> Philippians one verses twenty-one to twenty-four. Hebrews 12, verses 22 to 24. Then Revelation 6, verses 9 through 11. And if you missed one, come see me afterwards and I'm happy to uh, uh, to give those out to you. But these verses, rather than me taking time to go through each one, Again, it reinforces the idea that there's this intermediate state. There's this place that we're at before once we die, but before we spend eternity in heaven. Now, of note, one of the, another verse that I that I do want to spend a little bit, a few minutes on, is Luke chapter 16, verses 19 to 31. Now, this is Jesus telling us again. That's Luke 9, Luke 16, 19 to 31. This is a parable that Jesus is telling. So Jesus is the one giving this idea and conveying this, this concept. But it's the parable about the rich man and this beggar named Lazarus. Um, and, and both of them end up dying. And Lazarus goes to, it says, goes to Abraham's bosom, or Abraham's side, depends on your translation, which is a euphemism for paradise. The rich man goes to Hades which is Greek, Um, if you're looking in an Old Testament, the, the Hebrew word is Sheol. So it depends on if you're in the Old Testament or New Testament, you'll see Sheol in the Old Testament, you see Hades in the Greek. Both of them are the same place. It's this intermediate place after we die. But it clearly suggests here from what we hear from Jesus is that those who are on their way to heaven, if you will, um, who, who in, in our context, you know, uh, looking at just what Jesus has given us, the means of salvation, um, or saved by faith through grace, they're going to be in paradise. Those who aren't, like this the illustration that Jesus gave, this rich person who really was a mean, terrible person, is not going, he's going to be in um, Hades or Sheol again. This isn't heaven or hell, these are two intermediate places. So, when we die, we immediately go to be with Jesus, <clears throat> we exist in a disembodied state, and then lastly, at the resurrection of the dead, when Jesus returns, you will receive a glorified, perfect body. How many of you can say "Amen yeah. I, uh, I just I woke up this morning. everyone say it's like, "Man, where did that come from? You know that you know, knees and back, is like, ah, just I always used to say getting old is the worst until you consider the alternative. <laughs> if you're not getting older you're you're dead, you know so uh it's, it's, you really have one option: you're getting older or you're not, so <sighs> a perfect body, the biblical hope is not the soul will someday be separated from our body and fly off to heaven and be forever with God in the heaven in a dis- disembodied existence. It's not, that's not our hope. Our hope is not this spiritual existence with God for all eternity. Our hope is a physical body will be raised from the dead and transformed to immortal life. The biblical hope for immortality is a physical bodily resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15.20, Paul is talking, it's one of his letters to the church, to the people in Corinth. He says, but now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. This idea of first fruits, we see this a lot in the Old Testament as part of the tithe. When they gathered in their crops, the first portion of that was to go to God. It was part of their offering or tithe to God. They referred to as the first fruits. It's the sign of things to come. And so, literally, Jesus is referred to in his physical existence post-resurrection as the first fruit of what is to come. Philippians 3, again, Paul is in his letters writing to another group, and he says, "But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there." The Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Other verses in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and also 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, you'll find more about this idea of a physical bodily resurrection when Jesus returns. Our hope is not for spiritual eternity, but a physical one as well. So what happens when a non-believer dies? Oddly, in all of his writings, Paul never touches this topic. He doesn't say anything about what happens to the non-believer. Jesus does. There's been a couple of occasions in John chapter 5. Jesus says this. Is, uh, John 5, 28. Do not be amazed at this. He's talking to the people. For a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice, the Father's voice, and come out. Those who have done what is good will rise to live, and those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. Jesus here is referring to a resurrection of all the dead. Not just the people who are going to go to heaven, but everyone who has preceded us in death will be risen. Then in Luke uh, chapter 16, again, we've got this story of Lazarus and the rich man. So you've got the the beggar and the rich man again. Um, The beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's bosom, which again is a euphemism for paradise. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. When people die, the righteous go to be with Christ, where they will await their resurrection from the dead. The condemned go to Hades, where they are in a disembodied state, where they await their resurrection and final judgment. Only then are people ushered into their final state, which is heaven or hell. For those who reject Jesus Christ, they will be eternally separated from God and spend eternity in torment. Um, you know, it's funny, because of the imagery that we see in the Bible, there's always a question, is this actual, literal, or is this figurative, or whatever? And, and there are a lot of incredibly intelligent people that have spent an awful lot of time answering those questions, and they differ. You'll find some that say, you know, this how, you, you can't tell it's a literal place, and it's, it's a location. There's others that say, you know, show me in the map. Where is it? You know, what are its coordinates in space? And it's much more, um, the idea behind that is that Jesus, in talking about it, was trying to convey the worst kind of death, the worst kind of existence. And burning was, was the worst you could think of. And so that was used as an image to convey what, what it was like to be eternally separated from God's presence. The, the idea of hell is not a popular concept for any of us. Our present culture places a high value on fairness. And it doesn't seem fair that some end up in eternal hell simply because they believe differently than others. Two thoughts. <clears throat> One, hell is real. I don't know that it's literal in the sense of a location, if, you know, in that sense, but I do know that it's real. And every person who hears my voice will one day face death and judgment. 100%. No one in history has ever figured out a way to bypass that stage of life. We will all have to face that day. Second thought is this. None of us are capable of determining the outcome of another person's judgment. Hear what I said? None of us can determine the outcome of another person's judgment. God will judge them. He knows their heart. That goes both ways. Somebody we don't like you you need to withhold judgment and say, I know where they're spending eternity. The other is just as true. The other is just as true. We don't know if they said the prayer or if they've actually given their life to Jesus. Don't default that you know where they're going to spend it because they didn't do this act as well. We don't know what's in a person's heart. And I also know this as well, that, that God will judge them based upon the revelation that they have what it is and he, this, this is going to work we're getting way into uh, <laughs> oh here we go okay so um, this, this whole idea of, of how, will God, how will God judge those who died before Jesus they couldn't put their faith in Jesus Jesus wasn't even born yet how does that work Can judge, will ju- God will judge each of us by the revelation that we have God has revealed himself, not just in Jesus, through his word. We can see God reveal himself through creation, can't we? And so there's, every culture has this understanding of, of a God and what it means. And based upon the revelation that we have, God will judge us how we reacted to that. So we don't know what someone else is going through. We don't know what their experience has been. We don't know where their present state is when that time comes. So that that should cause us not to be judgmental of people we don't like, but it should also cause us to be very hopeful for people for whom we love and are uncertain about. It gives us hope that God will judge them in a way that we will be together again one day. So to summarize this question, you can tell there is absolutely no way I'm going to be able to get through this the second question here in the same time frame. When a person, so to summarize this, what happens when a believer, uh, when, a, when a person dies, his or her body lies in the grave until the return of Christ. Okay, that actually brings up, what about cremation? How does, here's my thought there. Whether you're in the grave or you're cremated, we're all dust. It's all dust. And so I, God created out of nothing in Genesis 1. He didn't need he didn't need dust to create us. Uh, the idea of recreating our body, resurrecting our body, I think is okay. I think I think he'll figure that out. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> what I mean is, I've heard people really sweat bullets over this. We can't you can't be cremated because when Jesus returns, He won't have a body to put together, and like you know, it just doesn't work. It just that's not. Our God is so much bigger than that. He really is. He's, so, You can, if you want to be cremated, go for it. Um, okay. The soul, okay, so that's, okay. So your body, your body's dead. The souls of those who belong to Christ are drawn into a closer, more intimate fellowship with him in this disembodied state. We really don't know what this in disembodied existence is like. We've got that story about, about this rich man and Lazarus, but... Again, there's not a whole lot of detail as to what that looks like. We, you know, and, and unfortunately, we, we get probably most of our information from the movies, which is not good. The souls of unbelievers, by contrast, enter into a state of conscious torment and separation from God, which is called Hades. When Christ returns, he will bring with him the souls of the departed believers and their remains will then be raised from the dead and transformed into glorious, powerful resurrection bodies and their souls will be reunited with their bodies. After appearing before the judgment seat of Christ, they will then be ushered into the new heaven and the new earth. Unbelievers will also be raised from the dead and reunited with their bodies. And then after being judged by God, they will be cast into hell. Second question, what will heaven be like? Just like the previous question, there's a lot out there about heaven itself. Some of it's humorous. If you think back to your Bugs Bunny cartoons, um, you know, you're playing a harp and standing on a cloud. You know, that's kind of heaven is the idea. And again, we've got these personal accounts of these near-death experiences where they, they've understood that they are in heaven, that they are with God, and they've, they've had that experience. And according to the Bible, heaven is a real place where God dwells. And it will be the eternal dwelling place of those who receive Christ as their Savior. So heaven will be a place of perfection. There will be no sickness, no sorrow, or pain. Imagine that. Nothing. You wake up feeling good every day. Um, and that's even after the 10-mile the hike the day before. Um, so that there's this place of perfection. It will be a place of reunion. <clears throat> I actually... Um, without disagreeing with that word, reunion, I actually prefer the word recognizable. And I'll explain why in just a second. Um, there's a number of verses that allude to this idea that we will recognize one another in heaven. In Matthew chapter 17, 1 Corinthians 13, 1 Thessalonians 4, all of these points the that we recognize people in heaven. In John chapter 20, this is after the resurrection of Jesus, we recognize him in his glorified body. Okay, so there's the idea that even after this takes place, we'll recognize one another. And interestingly enough, in Matthew chapter 8, Jesus again is talking. And he's talking about the feast, you know, the big feast. And we'll sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Right there, we've got a father, son, and grandson. Okay. So the reason why I preferred the word recognizable after reunion is because I think the Bible clearly says we will recognize one another. Reunion, for me, takes us down this path where I think for many people, they just want to see their loved ones again. It's like just going to be this big family reunion. I'm not saying it won't be. I'm just saying the Bible doesn't give us that specific evidence. And it also, I think, takes the focus away from where it should be. Our focus in heaven isn't going to be the dinner parties we have that can last for weeks or you know, all these things. We'll be in the presence of God forever. So worship, that's the worship, foc- that is the dynamic, I think, that's more critical. We'll be, we'll be, will we be with those we know and love? I think so. But that's not the priority. I don't think that's the emphasis. I think when we're there, we'll be joyful that we're together. But I don't think that'll be the focal point. Again, that's just my two cents. Reunion, I think that'll be pretty cool. I think it'll be pretty cool. Another thing, we think heaven will be a place of worship. In Revelation 19, John's description in Revelation talks about what that looks like. Also in Isaiah chapter 6. Even the Old Testament was projecting what that's going to look like uh, later on. The idea of worshiping God. It'll be a place of reward. We'll be rewarded for our service on earth. Again, Jesus is talking in Revelation chapter 22. And he says, look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. So there will be a place of reward um, in heaven. And lastly, heaven will be a place of assignment. It will, we will serve with God for all eternity. And the reference there is Matthew chapter 25. It's the parable of the talents. Again, we're talking about the kingdom of heaven. We're talking about what it's going to be like later on. And and Jesus, in the parable, the ruler is talking to his servants, and and he says, you have been faithful in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Jesus was saying, this is what the kingdom of heaven is going to be like. And it clearly conveys this idea of us having, we're not going to be sitting around clouds playing harps. Okay? This idea that we will be doing things and engaging things and life will have some sense of life, uh, I, just, I think is very, very clear. So, I know what you're all dying to know, though the questions that, that aren't in here. What about my mansion? Right? What about mansions? The idea, actually, of us having a mansion in heaven comes from John chapter 14. The verse in the King James it says, In my father's house are many mansions. The idea that we're all going to have a mansion. Unfortunately, the disappointing part of that, the King James Version is the only translation that actually uses that word. <laughs> Every other translation, and I think more accurately, says, In my father's house are many rooms. In other words, it's a place for everybody. There are no other references to mansions in heaven. Um, so Otherwise, it just killed a lot of your dreams here, didn't we? So, uh, okay. What about the streets of gold? Again, that only occurs one time, and it's in Revelation chapter 21. The great street of the and talk about the the, uh, the 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 New Jerusalem. The great street of the city was of gold, as pure as transparent glass. Yeah, so I don't know. We'll see. That'll be fun to. Uh, we'll have to wait and, and see what that looks like. Um, you know, so there's not a whole lot else there that really describes heaven. And so, and, you know, and, uh, I don't know. I really don't. I think to, to, to go on, we have to go home and watch a movie and just see what heaven's going to be like, because they probably more information. I can't say it's going to be accurate information. Here's what I can say, though. It's safe to say that we won't be bored in heaven. Heaven is going to be the most exciting, adventure-filled place your mind can imagine. So, what are our takeaways for today? Uh, Because this largely is an academic exercise of understanding and knowledge. And uh, for those of you like me, you enjoy this. But for some of us, it's like, yeah, but what does this mean for me tomorrow morning? A few things. One takeaway is this. Don't look to Hollywood for your understanding of what happens to us when we die. Don't take your cues from what you see and what you read out in the media. Another takeaway is this. Physical death is not the end. It's just the beginning. Let me say it this way. It's a new beginning. Okay? Go and look at it that way. Death will also bring us into the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lastly, when Jesus returns, the resurrection will bring complete physical and emotional healing. Because of the provision of Jesus and the promise of Jesus, we do not have to fear death. We can actually live with confidence and anticipation. Which begs the question that I have to ask. If you died today, do you know if you would immediately be with Jesus? You can know beyond any doubt if there's any hesitation, any uncertainty you can have, you can be certain today. All you need to do is just ask Jesus to be Lord of your life and determine to follow him, and all that you do. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, ah, <clears throat> Thank you for your word. And um, Lord, when it comes to death and eternity, there's a lot we don't know. And I'm sure there's still a lot that your, your word doesn't give us clarity. But what is clear is that it is a place and a destination to anticipate with expectation. Lord, it is our glorious hope the return of Jesus, when we spend eternity with you. Lord, that isn't something to fear. It's something in which we should anticipate. It's something, Lord God, that we should, Father, look to with great joy. Lord, but because it's an unknown entity, there's so many mysteries around it yet, Lord, it's something that we often fear. I pray, Lord God, and I ask that if there's anyone here who is fearful of that, Lord, that 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 would be removed even now that they would not fear eternity, they would not fear death, but Lord God, there would be this, just a resolve that they're going to be just fine. And Lord, if there's any who here who aren't certain about what would happen when they die, Lord, may they take those steps. May they act in a way that they could be certain. May they invite Jesus into their life. May they determine to follow him in all that they say and do. Lord, may they become your followers and be conformed into the image of Jesus. So Father, we commit these things to you. And we just trust you, Lord God, for the things that we don't understand. For Lord, you are trustworthy. And it's in Jesus' name I pray all these things. And everyone says, Amen.